0: Thank <laughs> Welcome to Swift Unwrapped, a weekly show about the Swift programming language and other Swift.org projects. My name is J.P.
1: Smart, And I'm Jesse Squires. And today we're going to be talking about the floating point protocols, the numeric protocols in Swift, uh, which includes the the floating point protocol and the other integer protocols as well, uh, binary integer, etc.
0: Right, and a lot of this was recently revamped with Swift 4 with uh, a more protocol-oriented take on on uh, numerics, right? Yeah,
1: so really like in Swift 3 and 4, we've seen lots of refinements to these protocols. Uh, Before, it was pretty difficult to do generic things uh, with integers or like protocol-oriented things with integers because of the previous protocol hierarchy and just how everything was organized. You know, if you think back to like Swift 2, if you did something like... 1.0 1.0 plus 3 then you would get these errors that there's no operator for uh double and int. Right? Really? I uh think if so. you use the
0: literals, I thought it would like intelligently just uh kind of find the common denominator because a it, it, uh, literal can be uh can be any number uh, of things, right?
1: Yeah. Uh maybe that is true. Maybe it wasn't that bad in Swift 2 and Maybe Swift 1? I don't know. Maybe. It depends on how... I don't know. I vaguely remember having to like constantly cast things. Right. And it feels like I have to do that way less now. Right. Because now, for sure, that 3 will get lifted or in, inferred as a double. And same with, like, maybe the, the bigger culprit was uh, CG Float, uh, which I felt like I would get that a lot more often before where it'd be like, oh, CG float and double, you can't do this. And then you'd have to cast or whatever. And now those seem to just magically work like they should uh, and be inferred correctly. So yeah, maybe we can, I don't know, find an old version of the Swift compiler and, uh, test that i do not volunteer for this <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: you're on your own jesse the other
1: day i was uh trying to use a uh, float epsilon actually which uh was terribly incorrect well, yeah why would you do that <laughs> because epsilon is in the name and that's obviously what you use for tolerances for comparisons i see but that's not what it's for so i started digging around well, the Swift four compiler now gives you this error that says "float epsilon"
0: is deprecated, and you need to use uh, "ulp of one." Right. So this float epsilon epsilon is the all caps kind of C macro style variable, um, much like int max and int min. Right. Exactly. Right. So it's FLT underscore epsilon, all caps. Right. Uh, and if you've done any C or Objective-C programming, you've, you've probably dealt with that uh, whenever you wanted a very small value. Yeah, and then there's double epsilon as well. And so all of
1: these things that have actually been deprecated in SWIFT 4. Uh, so now like capital int underscore max is the type int dot max.
0: Float epsilon is now dot op of 1. Right, and they're fix it that the Swift compiler provides, right? Same thing with like M underscore pi. Now you can use the the dot pi that's um, of the precision that you need inferred.
1: Yeah, so all of these things live on the protocols. So depending on what type is inferred, you'll get the correct uh, precision. And that goes for like, all integer sizes as well. They all provide their own like min and max um and then on the floating point protocol you have uh what is it least normal magnitude and greatest finite magnitude for float min and float max which is interesting it's like why is it not just like floating point dot max or float dot max right but- well
0: i think it it gets confusing when min is actually not the minimum uh, absolute value or it is rather the minimum absolute value. It's not the the minimum value including negatives. Right. Right? Which is actually minus max. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's why it gets confusing. So having having it spelt out, um, probably I guess helps newcomers really understand kind of what this is representing.
1: Uh maybe, yeah. Or maybe it's just more confusing. I'm not sure. But
0: so what conforms to this floating-point protocol that comes with the standard library?
1: Yeah, so there is, uh, there's there's float-double and float-80. Uh, there are also type aliases in the standard library. Float-32, uh, which is just an alias for float, and float-64, which is just an alias for double. <laughs> of course. So I kind of, you know, I part of me just really wants to have, like, float-32, float-64, and float-80 because it feels more consistent. But... <laughs> Yeah, so you could mistakenly think that there are actually five floating point types, but there are just three.
0: So in I I sincerely don't know this. When would you ever use float 80?
1: I actually don't know. (laughs) So that would be, that gives you an extra, what, 16 bits, which is really just a bunch of overhead, it seems like, right? Because that's going to be larger than a word on any platform so you'd have like your register with like your 64 bits or whatever and then you have to have like another one with like only like these extra 16 bits so I'm not really sure where or why that is used maybe um, I don't know I was thinking like maybe graphics programming or something or uh, I'm really not sure well mm. I, where when you would need that those extra bits of precision.
0: Listeners, if uh, you know when one would use the float 80 uh, type, please let us know.
1: Yeah. And so the docs recommend actually uh, always using double unless you have a specific reason not to. And if you are you're writing your expressions, you have like 1.0, 2.5, whatever. They're always inferred as doubles. I guess unless you're on a 32-bit platform, it'll be inferred as a float technically, but Actually, um, Swift,
0: I don't think, was never ported to uh, 32-bit platforms.
1: Oh, yeah. I think that's right.
0: Which was one of the major reasons why Mac OS couldn't ship with uh, Swift built in.
1: Right. And so that was never added later. I think I did see some discussion of that or maybe just like talking to core team members at conferences and stuff. Someone brought it up as like... Future work, maybe. yeah. I guess actually, but,
0: uh, the wa- the Apple Watch, is thirty-two bits, so Swift must support it to some extent. I must be hmm. getting the details wrong here. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. That's an maybe one day bit.
1: we'll have sixty-four bit watches. Until then, we just have to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, flow Flow eighty is still uh, somewhat of a mystery to me.
0: Yeah. Well, let's let's move on. Um. Yeah. So these. These generic properties and methods on the floating point protocol. Let's talk more about that. Yeah.
1: So uh, basically, you can write extensions on the floating point protocol for certain things. Um, there, It's still not entirely flexible, like even with the integer protocols, like depending on what you're trying to do, things still kind of break down because you eventually need sizes or you need to like constrain things to certain types uh, because the compiler will complain like if you're trying to add um, an int 8 and an int 32 like you still have to know like what you're doing like some casting will still be involved Uh, but these protocols make it easier in some ways it just kind of depends on what you're trying to do.
0: Well, it seems like it would mostly just be useful for same type operations, right? If you have, say, two of the same type of floating point, then you can perform lots of operations. But if you have one of unknown size plus another of even fixed size, like what can you really do there?
1: Right, right. So if you're defining different extensions only in terms of what these protocols provide, uh you should be okay and then like let's say you define a new operator like a plus plus operator like a binary operator that like adds them twice or something <laughs> then uh that should be okay if when you use that function you pass in like two doubles or two floats but if you try to mix types at the call site then that's when you'll have to do the casting yeah um so, yeah, it improves things in, in that respect. And generally, I think like the naming is uh, much clearer and
0: the kind of the hierarchy
1: is a, a lot cleaner.
0: Can you give me a concrete example of uh, an algorithm that you've written that makes use of the floating point protocol? Uh,
1: I haven't done much with that, actually. Uh, I've explored a few things. There are things I needed to do in... Swift 3, actually, there was some code I was writing where I wanted to make some code more readable. So I had like an is positive computed variable and like an is negative to make uh, this piece of code like just more readable. And so it was like some drawing code um, that where this was uh, relevant. And so prior to Swift 4, the signed integer protocol did not exist. And that was like really the best place to put this. Um, so, I had to define it separately for float and like CG float in Swift 3. But a signed um, integer,
0: you'd still need to do it for a floating point as well.
1: No. So, you can, for signed integers, so you have this extension is positive, returns a bool, uh, or this function is positive, returns a bool. And you can just compare self is greater than zero and return that. Uh, you have to constrain it where. So you have the extension on signed integer uh, where self is comparable, and then it's all good. Floating point eventually inherits from signed integer.
0: Oh, okay. I guess that's where ah. I was lost. Yes.
1: Sorry. Uh, it, that's the key point. The
0: protocol happens. is named signed integer, but uh, non-integers can conform to it.
1: Yes. Or, er, sorry. Signed numeric.
0: Aha. Sorry. Okay. My bad. Yes. No, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then the zero literal in that case is inferred to be this, of of the same type as this self in this protocol extension.
1: Exactly. So if you used uh, 0.0, for zero, You can't example. do that. Right. Yeah. So then you start getting errors. Right. So it is like, it's a little bit tricky to extend these things uh, sometimes, but uh, it's... It's doable. Right. Then there's binary floating point, which is what all these types inherit. Uh, Float double and float 80 are all binary floating point, which means they have a radix of two. So that's like a base of two. So in this refined system, you could define new floating point types uh, with a different base, which sounds pretty difficult to me. And I don't not 100% sure why you'd want to do that, but maybe yeah. you have a good reason.
0: Yeah, it seems like you'd only really ever need that if you're doing, like, scientific computation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so odds are that for your iOS apps, you're probably not going to need to do this.
1: Right. Are you thinking, like, if you wanted to have, like, a base 10 representation or something for, like, scientific notation or... Hard? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I I, I can... I have a hard time actually thinking of concrete reasons why you'd want this. Yeah. Um, But I can think of lots of academic ones. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much um, those protocols in a nutshell. It's definitely, there's been a ton of progress here and tons of refinements uh, since Swift 1 and 2. So back to the discussion earlier about float epsilon uh, replaced by ulp of 1. So I had never heard this term before, uh, ULP, as some say. So it stands for uh, unit uh, in the last place, or unit of least precision. Um, and it basically provides the, the unit round off, or like the rounding error of values. Um, so it measures the, the distance from a value to the next representable value. Uh, so float.ulp of one is the same as like 1.0.ulp, which is equivalent to the value of float epsilon, which is just a constant that's provided by
0: C, the C right. libraries. And uh, a bit of background here with floating point representation, your precision is only is relative to the magnitude of the number that you're representing. And so for very, very small numbers, you have very high precision and for large numbers, you have kind of an equivalent scale of precision, but in absolute terms, that precision grow or the, the uncertainty grows. right. and it goes both ways. so it's really like the dis- the further away you
1: get from zero
0: in yeah. either direction. Right? yeah and so if you're dealing with like very small fractions of one yeah. uh then you can you can get very precise like with within a thousandth of the decimal place yeah. but then when when you're dealing with numbers like a hundred million uh or a billion, then um the precision cranks way up to i think sixty four when you're dealing with floats
1: yeah, it's uh yeah what is that a billion? Uh, the ulp of 1 billion is 64.
0: And concretely, if you try to represent the next number higher than 1 billion, you'll get 1 billion and 64, which means that the ulp is really that kind of next representable the delta between this number and the next representable number.
1: Yeah. Yeah, although like you could still like type in a billion and one, and it's there. and then, But it also has an ulp of 64. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how some of this plays out in practice. Well, this but. is where
0: um, literals kind of lie to you. Because uh, if you write 2.0, well, really, and you're representing that as a float, that'll be 2.0000, 0, 0, 0, lots of zeros, and then four or something. And then a
1: bunch of garbage, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and so integer literals, numeric literals kind of lie to you when you're doing floating point where it's not going to be exactly that, which is why you never compare, say, uh, a literal and say, well, is this equal, equal, you know, 1 billion and 1? Right. You do, well, is the difference between this number and 1 billion less than the alp of 1 billion?
1: Right. And so that is the reason why you shouldn't use float epsilon for comparisons because that's always going to be uh, or in this case, ulp of one. Again, these are equivalent now. Um, you should never be using that for comparisons because that's the ulp of one, not of the values that you're comparing, and it's a super small value. That if you're uh, writing unit tests and you're trying to compare values and you're using like the assert with accuracy function with from xc test, uh, where you provide two floating point values and then like a a threshold, you know, that should really just be like .001 or something that is uh, uh, contextualized for like whatever you're trying to compare there. Don't use float epsilon for that. So yeah, you can play around with this in a playground. I'd encourage everyone to do that. Even just put 2.0 in there and then Expand the little uh, the little I on the right hand side in the sidebar, and you'll see that it's actually not a perfect 2.0. You'll have 2.0 and then uh, a bunch of garbage after it. And you can use like you can print a like formatted string with that float to uh, extend like the precision of the the decimal places that you that you print out, and see tons of garbage uh, after that decimal so yeah it's fun stuff and if you're looking for the precise definition of ulp it the ieee standard actually doesn't uh define this explicitly so what has been used is basically just the iso c standard but it is basically you'll take the machine epsilon which is the ulp of one value multiplied by the base uh, to the exponent of that value so uh, float epsilon times two to the x where x is the exponent so IEEE values they are represented you have four parts technically you have the sine the exponent the significant uh, and the radix or the base uh, which is always two obviously because binary so uh, the exponent Chunk of those bits and that floating point value—that's what you raise in this uh, equation to compute ulp.
0: Do you know if other languages also expose this as ulp, or um, you know what? What does? You know, would you happen to know what Go does or what Rust does?
1: Uh, I'm not sure, but I do know that it varies by platform or. By language, platform, standard library, everything, it kind of varies across the board. Um, Some places you'll still see this named epsilon or even like machine epsilon or something like that. Uh, So it really depends. But like the docs state for uh, ULP, yeah, historically several definitions of machine epsilon have been used, which differ by up to a factor of two. By contrast, ulp is a term with a specific, unambiguous definition. Mm. Of course, quite unambiguous. Naming in computer science.
0: Well, unambiguous doesn't mean obvious. (laughs) Yes. Just because it's well-defined doesn't mean that you can understand the definition. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: So, yeah, I'm not 100% sure where uh, or how other languages or other standard libraries treat this.
0: So where would you point people if they want to learn more about this kind of stuff?
1: Uh, In the show notes, if you go to the blog post I wrote about some of this stuff, you can read that blog post, but then there's a bunch of resources at the end. It's a pretty deep rabbit hole into the IEEE standard for uh, how floating point numbers are represented and how they work. And there's a lot to read there, but... Uh, If you have a weekend where you want to (laughs) read a bunch of things that will uh, blow your mind, then
0: read that. Well, thanks for uh, giving us a deep dive (laughs) on Floating Point and Swift. (laughs) I think that's uh, all for this week. If you'd like to catch uh, us on Twitter, I'm at SimJP, and the show is at Swift underscore Unwrapped.
1: And you can find me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Squires. Uh, if you have a second please leave us a review on itunes Uh, and if you want to chat about the show go to spectrum.chat specfm swift-unwrapped